welcome to another fantastic edition of the Photography Bar podcast. Um, I'm Mark, and as always, I'm joined with Cam. How are you doing, Cam? You right? Um, yeah, I'm really good, Mark. Excellent well. stuff. Hope you're well. Um, I am fine. Thank you very much. And um, yes, we've also got today a um, special guest all the way from Vietnam. So we're going across the world here. Yeah. Um, we have Kendricks Thomas. How are you doing, Kendricks? You okay? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Yeah, oh, we're all good. Yeah, we're I'm looking good. for yeah, I'm, I've been looking forward to this chat actually about travel photography and and uh, some of the some of the work you get into. And I hadn't realised um, that you were. Uh, in fact, I didn't know where you were actually. I thought you were in the. I thought you were in the US actually somewhere, um, but I didn't realise you're currently in Vietnam at the moment, aren't you? Yes, I'm born and raised in the states, but um, at the moment I am in southern Vietnam uh, in the Mekong Delta. I'm down here working on a construction project. Right fantastic fantastic yeah. uh so we thought what we'd do obviously we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little about um about yourself kendricks to what you do and of course we want to talk about your photography as well um so um obviously like we've just stated you're now at the moment you're in vietnam and uh but you are native from the united states um but you've, you've been all over though haven't you i mean um i've read that you've uh, you've been based yourselves in sort of central and south america and obviously you're in nam at the moment um and uh, yeah so how did you get into photography first of all well as a child my mom was a photographer and she put the camera in my hand my mom and dad was but my mother more so led the charge for me to uh, always have a camera in my hand audio and uh, a photo and video camera so i've yeah. always been into um having the option to catch a photo and look at it later as a young child, it always was amazing to me. Mm. It was just awesome how you can just take a photo or video of something and go back and look at it later. So that was, she's, my mother's what got me started in photography from back in the days, you have to the film days in a dark room and dropping it off. In the States, we had Walgreens. We used to drop our film off. I'm not yeah. sure what it is in the UK, but uh, she started me off in photography and I've kind of always been a good hobby of mine since then. Uh, I kind of got a little more serious with it. And I think 2005 or 2007, I moved to Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia in the States. And I worked as a, uh, I was a personal photographer. So Atlanta is full of athletes and musicians. It's, we call it the New York of the South. It's, it's very, very uh, active entertainment scene. So I would do personal photography for different artists and musicians and athletes, say if they were going out on the night and they needed a photographer to document their night out partying or having an event or doing something like that, they needed a personal photographer. They would contact me or I would contact them and we would work it out to where I was their personal photographer. And it always just kept snowballing from then to one person would see me, then the next person would see me more along on the hip hop scene. The hip hop uh, scenes in Atlanta is very big and the basketball, the football scene as well, the club scene. So I was always in Atlanta with the camera, um, working with the different artists and athletes and musicians. And in 2012, I was hired to come to Thailand and help build a wind farm. So I have a, I have a day job as a, mostly construction manager, but my very serious, very passionate hobby is photography. Mm. So that's how I got to come here to Southeast Asia in 2010 
I was brought to Thailand to help build their first wind farm. And throughout living in Thailand, the boonies, about four hours north of Bangkok, extra rural, very, 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 uh, in the States, we call it the boonies. I'm sure you guys do too, but it's, it's, it's not nice, big, pretty Bangkok. It was out in the middle of absolutely nowhere, in the middle of a, of a cassava field. And I was uh -huh. out there and I got into photography. That's when I launched my actual freedom of photography, what you guys know today. Yeah. Uh, I don't do the personal photography thing so much. Now it's just travel, landscapes, uh, working with NGOs and nonprofits, uh, just different environmental photography throughout my travels. And uh, Thailand was my first time out the country and I've been to 40 countries since then. So it's been a, a very um, uh, increase in, in countries and photography as my skills mm -hmm. got better. So that's basically how I got into it. Wow, yeah, wow, I, wow. I think that's been really the whole thing is really fascinating. Everything that you said because because one of the questions I was going to ask and you, and you mentioned it, I was I was going to say about film, you know, and obviously with your parents and then you started off from film. And I think one of the joys of photography was processing and printing your own and starting with black and white I think you know as those of us remember the film days that's, that's what we all did and I think it's a huge um I think it's one thing that a lot of people getting into photography now just just bypass you know they might they might want to do it but they, the chances are they probably never will because of everything that's involved with it and even that it's an expensive process and that type of thing and I think a, a lot of them would actually be be lost shooting on film you know, um, right. Uh, you know, and uh, I think, I think one of the, I think digital, the whole digital thing is to obviously change photography, and I think it's been fantastic. It's been great for photography because there's so much more that you can do and everything. But I also think it spawned a lot of poor photography, a lot of bad photographers coming in because it sort of made it easy. And I say that in inverted commas, you know, and it's not. And I and I'm pretty sure that so many photographers that are out there now, if it was the film days, they. I don't think they would have got into it because you know, uh, you know, you're flying by the seat seat of your pants, aren't you? Really, sometimes. Right, um, right. And, I, uh, I definitely agree because yeah. it's. Um, I think for some of us that started out in film, there was some type of um, some type of calmness or appreciation for the ceremony. Uh, you couldn't just pop your SD card out your camera and put it in your laptop and. You have unlimited exposures and mm. people keep chimping and they can look at the photo every time they take it and see what adjustments they can make. Whereas back in the day, you had 24, 36 chances to get it right. And after that, you just you didn't know yeah. until you went and picked up the, 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 the film and you saw your photos. But uh, like you're saying, Cam, I, I do believe that it spawned some less than ideal uh, ideable photography, but um, I think there's also benefits to that as well, mm. because mm. Um, having to instantly get that instant gratification or uh, not having to wait so long, or um, there, there are benefits and cons with uh, moving from film to digital, but I agree, the, 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 the film space, there was something about the process of going through developing the film even if you didn't have your own dark room or physically do it yourself, taking it to the developers and working, mm. working with the film that way, but there was some, um, some appreciation for the ceremony of it all. 
Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And I think something that you just said there sort of hit the nail on the head. When you said instant gratification. I think we live in a world of that now. You know, we expect to order something on Amazon. We expect it to be delivered there, not just next day, but same day. You know, you know, right. it's, it's going to happen, you know, even more so. And and it's sort of why have I got to wait two days? Why have I got to wait 24 hours for this? And I think that's been detrimental to society in a way, because, you know, the, the, that 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 waiting has is now affected everything you know and um and i think that sort of photographers have been the same but the, the other thing that you touched on which i found was was quite interesting and i'm just jumping in on some of the things that you said there but you were sort of saying that when you were in atlanta and you were shooting like the club scene and the hip-hop scene and that type of thing so what sort of with the hip-hop scene what 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 sort of period are we talking about what sort of year did you start doing that so I started doing that right around 2005, I think 2005 or 2007. Uh, for all the people in the hip hop community, that was when the um, the snap movement first came. I don't know how how global that, that terminology is, but that's when everything in Atlanta was like, um, it was like T-Pain was getting big. Little oh, yeah. John, yeah. little John was getting big. Everything was a snap type right. uh, movement. They call it the snap movement in hip hop. Right. Uh, D4L, Fabo, I was one of his uh, photographers for a while, but they did mm -hmm. the whole the Laffy Taffy movement. That whole uh, T Pain, Young Jock, uh, when those guys was really getting into their stride was when I was in the hip hop scene there in Atlanta. I mean, you so you were there at the right time then, to be fair. I mean, that was a yes. good time to be there, right? Mm. It was It was a good time to be there. Uh, the main camera was the, the 5D Mark II. Good camera. Uh, so it was a good solid yeah. workhorse camera. Yeah. Um, the five, it was the 5D and the 70s. And I remember going out to the club, you either had to have a 5D or a 7D, a 5D or a 7D. Yeah. And everybody was like, the 5D, you can shoot your own music videos and you don't have to get all these thousand yeah. dollar videos. And that was the big thing back then. But that was uh, ooh, so many years ago, it feels like. But it was a good time. Uh, you, you didn't have people. The, the, the digital transformation was here. It wasn't fully here, but it was it was here enough to where a film was more to the side and digital was was really getting a good stronghold. Yeah. So that's yeah, I mean, I remember. I remember pre-ordering that camera, the 5D Mark II. I mean, that's right. that was because I had a digital camera before, but it wasn't as good. Uh, and I, I do kind of feel there was, for me, uh, in, in my sort of career, there was before the, the Mark II and after the Mark mm -hmm. II. And there was a real big difference for me on what you could do with that digital SLR want after that. And that's when things started, I think, really changing. Because I think that's when hmm. it's after that when the Nikon D750s and all that came out as well they really started coming into their own so yeah must, it's quite a landmark camera that yeah and, and you must have documented around that period some some real historical stuff um because uh, I mean I, I'm not familiar really with <laughs> I'm not familiar with the hip-hop scene at all right as far as I'm not I wouldn't say that I was uh, I'll listen to stuff and if I like it I like it great and uh, you know mm -hmm. and that but I, I couldn't name any artists in particular or certain stars of the hip-hop scene and all of that but what I do find fascinating is if you go a little bit further back so I guess 
maybe would it have been in the 80s you know when you when you saw a lot of that that was probably when i started to see some of that and you'd see some of the break dancing that would be going on in the streets it's coming from the us and you'd see them with the big ghetto blasters on their shoulders you know and uh, <laughs> that's really old school cam come on really, you're showing yeah, your age yeah it is but you know when i go back to that and i see some and i and i see them going back and uh, I see some videos of it or something. I find that period really fascinating because I think for me, that was the beginning of all of that, that, that hip hop mm-hmm. period. And it may have been before that. Right. But to me, when I think about hip hop, I, I sort of sometimes think of that period and obviously it's moved on like any musical sort of genre, you know, but coming back to photography, okay. Mm-hmm. You must've documented the, 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 some of that, the, some of the stuff that you must have that street culture stuff. Um, it must be really valuable, uh, uh, you know, f- from what, you, what, what you've got. Right. Uh, if you could make a comparison of the two worlds, the hip hop and photography world, the 80s with the ghetto blasters and the uh, break dancing, like you referenced, that's the film. That's, that's, that's yeah. the film hip hop. Um, yeah. Now to, to, where, uh, in, to where we are now, maybe a few years before, but when I started into... Uh, photographing the hip-hop scene that's more of the digital taking over me me moving to atlanta in 2005 2007 that's like the the 5d mark ii that's when things in hip-hop changed a lot it's a really good way of putting it yeah yeah right that's the best way i could put because Mm -hmm. if you think about not to get too hip i'm I'm a hip-hop head so it doesn't take a lot to get me going but uh not to get too (laughs) hip-hoppy but like we long for the nostalgia of the film days and the process and the ceremony of um, developing film. That's this purest form where you where you had to go with your with your training and your gut on if the photo was correct based on what you knew, and you couldn't just keep chimping at the back of the camera to see. That's the same as what hip hop was back then in the eighties. It was the purest form, the unadulterated form of hip hop was. The Adidas track suits with the with the big uh, ghetto blasters and all that stuff, like you say, with the break dancing. Mm. That's the pure film form of hip hop. So, uh, so you, they 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 both go along very well in that aspect. So, do you think now? Let, let's bring that forward now to twenty twenty one. Say, for example, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I think, uh, um, but Mark, uh, I'm not going off on a tangent here. I'm going to bring it back to photography, okay? <laughs> okay. Right? okay. Are you sure? We're all yeah, going to right? sit tight for this one, I think, guys. <laughs> okay. So let me see if I can explain myself. Okay, so 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 we've gone from the 80s to 2005, and we fast forward to 2021. Now, I don't know if it's just me, um, but back then when you were shooting, there was a whole street scene going on, I would imagine, and there were a lot more musicians were getting together in groups. And I think... Uh, I might be wrong here, but do you think now that um, I know certainly it certainly happened in rock, but a lot of musicians now can record anything they want to from home on their laptops. Okay. Yes. And now does that, does that, you know, getting together with other people and doing those things, I think uh, it doesn't happen so much as it used to, which affects what photographers can do and what they can document because so many people are sitting at home in front of their laptops recording some great music, mm-hmm. but they're doing it on their own, aren't they? And um, well, have I yeah. explained you know, when how that affects photographers, I, I think. Well, I think I think as photographers, for the most part, uh, as far as personal photography, we are to document the process. Hmm. So whether that process is in a big fancy 
$500 an hour studio or whether it's in somebody's mother's basement that process. Yeah. Uh, if, 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 if you need the big thousand dollar hour studio to, to make music, are you really a musician? It's mm -hmm. like, uh, it, you really have to ask yourself that, but a good portion of my photography is just sitting at people's houses, uh, sitting, sitting, uh, around someone may have a homemade, homemade studio in their back room where they um, took uh, elaborate a little bit. When I first was getting moved to Atlanta, get into photography, that's when uh, Fruity Loops was also getting to be a big recording software where you could, where you didn't even need any type of external sounds or inputs to make the music. You can make everything, you can make the beat, you can produce the, uh, you can make the track and you can record it all on your laptop with mm. these vir with these virtual sounds. So you didn't even need a beat machine or a live band like you did many years ago. But some of my best footage, like the same, some of the same big names you see on, on MTV and VH1, I'm at their mother's house recording them in jeans and a t-shirt doing their verses. And yeah. um, we're, we're at someone else's house just send back chit chat and some those, I think when you get into those types of scenes where you're not in a music, an official music recording um, scenario, I think you can get a little bit more authentic. People tend to let their guards yeah. down a little yeah. bit. And um, you know how it is when every time you point the picture, it's the camera, somebody, they, they pose. It's like, yeah. okay, yeah. I gotta, what, what can I do to kind of, wait to get these guys off 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 guard a little bit and that just comes with them being more comfortable when they become more comfortable in a certain setting and they can let their guard down you can see them interacting and after a while they don't even notice you're there they don't even mm -hmm. notice the, the camera going off or the snaps and they're just into making the music or talking with their friends or collaborating with other artists and i think i was fortunate enough to where they liked me so much in that role to where they would invite me to those closed, uh, closed, close, close quarter sessions at their mother's house, at their friend's house, at their own home, where mm -hmm. they normally would be a different person if they was in a big recording studio, but they're in a more relaxed environment. So that gives them a more relaxed feel and give the photos a more relaxed feel. Where if keeps it's it more real, doesn't it? Keeps it more keeps real. It, it keeps it a lot more real because they they're not under the pressures of the of the label, the A and R telling yeah. them, okay, we got thirty more minutes, or it's going to be another thousand dollars from Universal or Columbia or or Atlantic or something like that. They're just at the house with their MacBook Pro with their feet up, and yeah. they're they're just hanging out, and you, that that is conveyed through the photos. You can see their attitude when they're at their relaxed setting mm -hmm. versus in a more uh, expensive uh, music recording setting, and, and and that comes through through the photos. And I, and I think in a case... lot of respects, with with creatives generally, I mean, whether it's audio or visual, you know, to to kind of right, you go into a room, it's thousand dollars an hour, whatever it is, um, and right, you got to be creative now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it doesn't now, work like that, right? Yeah, no bathroom breaks, no yeah. time to sneeze. Every uh, minute is literally money, so you have you to go, go, yeah. go, go, go. And you can't always just turn it on like that because these creative things happen sometimes, right. you know, without, without without it being forced. So you do get that, like you were saying, more authentic work, both musically and with the photography as well. 
because I do find that, um, yeah, it just looks uh, just look re- really, really cool. And I think it's even today, isn't it? People love behind the scenes stuff, don't they? They want to see real stuff. And and there's two things, and and we'll move on from music in a moment. Okay, uh, there's two things. Uh, I know that uh, the Stones did their classic Exile on Main Street album, and when you look at the, when you pull out the in, inner sleeve of that, there is a lot of there's a a, a lot of background. Uh, studio stuff that they've shot in all these little images and, and it's great looking at that because that was yeah that was that was real that's what people want to see and then there was um uh, uh the book that was released i think it was was it released last year um the led zeppelin by led zeppelin when they released a lot of uh, uh their own images that were taken and and when you pour through that that's all real stuff it wasn't the post mm. stuff and you get an insight right. into that and then mark i know yeah. you're a huge metallica fan and yes I, I, a couple of weeks ago i was watching the metallica um documentary oh <laughs> well yes yeah, it's quite, it's quite, it goes back to 2011 now. And yeah. I mean, for, it doesn't matter what type of music that you're into that, that it's like a must see film because you see these, these, these group of musicians that are recording and they've got these cameras that are recording them and it's as real as you can actually get. And yeah. I think a right. lot of, they were knocked by it from some quarters by musicians yeah. saying it was too, it was almost too real, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and so documenting stuff like that is, you know, it's fascinating. Mm. Right. Anyway, I thought we might just reel it back into uh, one of the main reasons why I got you on, uh, Kendricks, which is your (laughs) fabulous uh, website, Freedom of Photography, Um, because uh, there is some awesome, awesome, um, awesome work on here. Um, How, because also we just been, we've been discussing obviously the the hip hop scene and what you were doing there. It's a bit of a transition, I guess, from what you were doing then to the, the, which is more, adventure photography i guess travel adventure mm-hmm. photography for what you're doing now um was it just circumstance because obviously i know you're 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 an engineer as well and it's, it's just kind of go hand in hand or, or was there like a specific decision right you know what I, I want to travel i want to take pictures from around the world and i want to create these sort of adventure stories which is what you've done here mm-hmm. well it definitely was a conscious decision um the personal photography thing in Atlanta, there was more of um, opportunity that was presented to me because I was in Atlanta around so many famous people. Yeah. So uh, that opportunity presented itself. Plus it was it was a good way to make um, fast money and easy money, quick money, mm-hmm. um, because they. I would also do these videos in addition to photography. I would do like these video clips of let's say we, uh, they may have a concert or a show to do. So I would go out video their, I would video their show and edit it and put it on their YouTube page for a certain amount of money. And I would do that. And I could mm-hmm. use the fame from using the bigger names to kind of get more money from the smaller wannabe guys kind of use that stepping stone. But yeah. when I moved to Thailand, there was a conscious decision that I wanted to, um, I wanted to get more into landscapes. And of course, in rural Thailand, there are there aren't a lot of uh, personal photography opportunities to be someone's Mm -hmm. dedicated personal photographer. When I first moved there, I couldn't speak the language. So if I mean, it's nobody, nobody spoke English out there. And it Mm -hmm. was so far from the major city that there was nothing there was there wasn't a lot of personal photography type things to do and as I traveled like I I never saw rice paddies or 
um, background like this or uh, uh, five people on a, on one moped and mm. three of those people are children and two of those children are, are babies. Thinking, <laughs> so, ah! <laughs> right. I saw one today. I went, I, I went to the market. It was four people on a moped. The, the 10-year-old was holding a newborn and nobody had a helmet. Like Stuff <laughs> like that is like, wow, I, I haven't... You don't see that coming from the state. So um, yeah. as I got to move around, I, I, I made the, the conscious choice that I wanted to photograph um, landscapes. And I have my reasons also, landscapes. I prefer landscapes and adventure photography over people. Um, and you just kind of get a sense of the, of the, of the place where you're, where you're photographing more, where you're living more. And I was doing all these traveling, building these huge wind turbines and just so much stuff where now I don't even turn my head at it. But when I first moved out, moved out to Thailand, everything was like, wow, 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 wow. Like every, everything was, was wow. And yeah. um, so, so that's really how I got to uh, getting more into the adventure landscapes because I would go off, I would go traveling around Thailand on the weekends and I would photograph uh, different scenery. So it was really more like the scene and the environment and the adventure of it more so than some rapper hired me to photograph him at the VIP section, making it rain and, and popping bottles. Like they don't yeah. pop a lot of bottles in rural Thailand. No. <laughs> Actually they do, I take that back. <laughs> oh, they, right, they, okay. They, they do pop a lot of bottles, just not in the same, uh, environment, hip hop club scene environment, mm. but they definitely know how to party in Thailand. They like a drink, yeah. <laughs> they do. They're no stranger <laughs> to the Johnny Walker. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's great awesome. you saying that because I think one of the things I sort of picked up on there is, you know, I've always believed that travel is one of the is one of the best bits of education that you can ever have in life. I agree you know, because you start to see um, how different people live. Uh, you start to see the things that people have and the things that people don't have. And a lot of, uh, uh, you know, you'll probably find, uh, I think there was this thing in India going back. I, I, I read some, some time ago, the people that live in the slums um, in Mumbai are some of the happiest people when they, when there was some sort of, uh, they were doing some sort of survey anyway. And they found that the people living in the slums were happier than anybody else. And, you know, yes. and, you know, we live with the pressures of having, you know, the next, you know, oh, you know, the new MacBooks come out or I've got to have the mm -hmm. new phone. I've got to have that. And, and we're constantly putting pressure on ourselves, you know, and I think particularly when, when, when you live in the Western world and you only see the Western world around you, um, you know, it's very easy to get sucked into that. And, and, and to your experiences of, of traveling and documenting all of that have probably given you life's greatest experiences as an individual and shape you um, for that for that reason. And I think you're incredibly fortunate to be able to have visited those places and document those places as well. I believe I am. I believe it has definitely reshaped my outlook on the world and I'm, I'm, I'm so much better for it. Like, I don't want to get mushy, man, but <laughs> it, you've been out here, I've been to Nepal Nepal was the first place where I really saw, I mean, they're extremely nice in Thailand, but I went to go help out 
after the earthquakes, the uh, earthquakes in Nepal, they were seven back to back, seven point eight and seven point nine earthquakes. Yes, I remember hearing and, about that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and this was like in two thousand fifteen, the, the summer, mm. uh, April or May of two thousand fifteen. And after I finished my, <clears throat> excuse me, after I finished my project in Thailand, I went over there, and I mean, just the stuff you see these people. They will have to save up to have nothing. Nothing is putting it politely. They have absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing. Mm -hmm. And they would be the happiest people, most warmest mm -hmm. people I have ever, ever seen in my life. They, mm -hmm. they, 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 they don't have a place to stay. All the buildings in Kathmandu are leaning like this. So they're scared to go into the building. So they're sleeping outside in a tent. The government provides nothing for them. All of their help comes from their employer. So I met one, one man was telling me his employer, he was at a carpet factory. His employer gave him for his whole family, uh, five kilograms of rice, two kilograms of cooking oil and uh, some, some, some lentils or some beans and that's it. That's what mm. you got from the earthquake. That's mm. from the government, from your employer. That's what you got. And these people, I'm having, I get paid an American engineer's salary. I'm doing just fine. And they're mm. still trying to give me the little bit that they have. They're trying to give it to me. It's like, no, I yeah. can go and buy food for the whole village. It's not a problem. But they just off of their warmness and they're just who they are as a people. Mm. They're still trying to give me what they have. And they've just been in two earthquakes and living outside. And you see that in Thailand, you go to rural Thailand, people are just so warm. And it seems like from what I've noticed over my 40 plus countries, the, the, the less people have, the happier they are. And that yeah. is true. Mm -hmm. From uh, Laos, Cambodia, um, all over Southeast Asia, Central Asia, Bangladesh, all of that, the less people have, the happier they are. They don't have food, they don't have electricity, but the kids are still in the street playing uh, football, as you call mm. it, you call it soccer. Yeah, that's still, right. Yeah, yeah. They're, football. They're, they're, right, foot, foot, yeah. foot, 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 football. Yeah. Football, don't you know? You know <laughs> so, yeah. Yes, 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 you're right. But you know, it's also interesting, and I've thought this for, for quite some time, is that um, we're, we're obviously, you know, uh, in Europe, and I've found that I've traveled around Europe quite a lot and I've been East as well. Um, and I find that now when I go to any European, most European cities, they're all becoming much of a muchness, you know, because they've all got the same, uh, it's, it's consumerism, isn't it? Glo Globalization. It's got the same stores, same shops. So you start to wander There's around a with camera. everywhere, isn't yeah. there? So you wander around yeah. with the camera, so you wander around with a camera and you start to think, these places look the same. Well, I, you know, uh, I went to Rome and then you go to London and then you go to maybe, I don't know, Barcelona or something. And you start to see everything starts to look very similar. Um, and yet I know that when you start to, when you start to go to, when you start to go East when you go to Bangkok, if you go to India, suddenly the, 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 it's like an explosion in your mind, you know, uh, of, of so much to see visually for a photographer it does. It blows your mind. It really does. It does. It's the most, um, one of the most amazing things that I was uh, able to witness was the stark differences from the big cities to the rural countryside. 
Um, even in Thailand, people from Bangkok don't say they're from Thailand. They say they're from Bangkok. People from Thailand, from the country Thailand, say I'm from Thailand, and they don't have anything to do with Bangkok. The type of right. uh, Thai, the type of Thai they speak in Bangkok, and the type of Thai they speak out in the countryside are different. I speak uh, Isan Thai, which is a very country, uh, rural dialect of Thai. Even even the people that hear me speak Thai, I don't speak foreign to Thai. I speak local, like if we was proper in Thai. Uh, proper proper country Thai. Yeah. It's called yeah. it's called Isan Thai, and they have the most confused looks on their faces when they see me speaking. <laughs> they they don't expect me to speak Thai at all. But if they if I do speak Thai, they expect me to speak the expat Bangkok Thai. And when mm. I'm speaking country, Isan, uh, rice field Thai, it totally blows their mind. But it opens them up more because they say, "Oh, you're clearly more than a tourist. You're you're yeah. you're actually been here and you've uh, ingrained yourself into the culture somewhere." But you do notice that, yes, London and Rome and Barcelona, and they, they're all the same. There's a McDonald's everywhere. Yeah, I remember yeah. I, I remember being out of the, my first time out of the country. I said it's Thailand, but it was actually Germany. I went to Germany with uh, some uh, hip hop artists that had three, three shows in Germany, and I went with them. And that was the first time really out the country. And my mind was blown because we landed in Frankfurt, and I said, hold on. There's a McDonald's in Germany. Whoa, we have a McDonald's in the States and there's a Shell gas station. Hold on, it's just like the States. I didn't know. It was my first time out the country. I didn't yeah. know things were just that much the same. But when you get out in the in the countryside, things are far, far different. If you're in mm. the city of Phnom Penh, then you go mm. out in the in the country, it's night and day. Things are so, so, so different. And the people are are I cannot say how warm and nice and open and comforting the people on the outside of the big cities are. And I think in Europe, maybe you get that uh, even on the on the outskirts is still kind of city city vibe. But mm-hmm. uh, out here in Southeast Asia, I, I can guarantee you, once you leave the city, you're gonna know it. You're gonna know yeah. you are in the sticks. It's it's, yeah. <laughs> in the it's sticks. very 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 obvious, and I like it. I prefer the sticks to the big city. Um, where I build these wind farms, where I spend my time, I go hiking or I uh, spend time with these NGOs. They're usually in the sticks and in the boonies. You don't find too many in the big, big city. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm used to being out in the rural, the rural environment, which to me, you give, it, it gives a better feel. If you go around and and just photograph Bangkok all day. I mean, where's the fun in that? It's okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm saying it because I've done it 200 times, but yeah. someone that hasn't <laughs> yeah. done it, it probably can appreciate it too. But when you go out to the to the Muay Thai fights at the temples, way four hours away from Bangkok, or you go to the weaving villages in Nong Kiao Lao, where they're making the handmade fabrics, or you go um, way out to the Buddhist temples in Cambodia or in Myanmar, that's when you, I think you get a, a real feel for the country versus just spending your time on a resort at the Marriott in Bangkok. Yeah. That's, yeah. 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 I, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's to right. be honest, I, was, um, I mean, going in about what you're saying about getting involved with the culture um, and really sort of integrating yourself within 
uh, the, the area that you're in. And I, and I think that shows in your work, to be honest with you, because it's Thanks. very different to just being some some Westerner going over there on holiday or, or whatever. It is There is a massive right. difference to that, to, to, to what you're doing, because as, without that integration, it's a bit like what we're saying. You know, when we were talking about the, the hip hop artist in the mother's basement, um, yeah. it's that sort of thing, isn't it? You know, if you integrate yourself within what's real that you know the real people of thailand then you're going to get the real stories and mm. that's what comes across i think in your work um and i guess maybe indirectly the stuff you did with the hip-hop artists is almost like kind of put you into that area of, of how to integrate how to get in right. with these people and it, right and it breaks down barriers doesn't it it, it breaks yeah. down barriers between people and that's why one of the things i was saying our travel is 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 a huge education and i think if a lot of people were made to travel to different countries and i'm not talking about going from london to barcelona and rome but i'm talking about going somewhere completely different i think you'd be far more accepting of people around you and yeah. far more accepting of other people from other cultures and other backgrounds around you in the world as well. So a lot of the, mm. the images that you that you shoot and a lot of travel photographers shoot, it, it, it does break down, it helps to break down barriers between people. Yeah. It yeah, does, it does, yeah. both, both, both ways, because mm. just as I'm fascinated to see their house and see how they live or, or see what they do every day, they want to see what I do. So mm. I take my photos and I show them Hey, this is my family. This is how I how I live in the mm. states. Or hey, this is South Africa for someone that's in Cambodia that's never been. Or mm. hey, mm. this is uh, this is Japan to someone that's in Mexico that's never been. So I can yeah. share I can share my travels uh, not only from my home to the people where I'm living, but other places that they may want to know about the, the people in Nairobi and, and Tanzania want mm. to see what Tokyo looks like, just like they want to see what California looks like. Mm -hmm. And um, so mm. it, it definitely, definitely breaks down barriers. Uh, it's, it's a good way to show the people that, Hey, we do the same thing like you do. We have, we have dinner on Sundays and we have our grandmother and the kids and something that I can say, I've seen every country, through every type of culture and environment, Mo mothers yelling at their children is always the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that too. <laughs> no matter where I'm in, I'm in the uh, Cuyabano rainforest in Ecuador, or if I'm on uh, Masai Mara uh, safari in Kenya, or if I'm walking in Osaka in Japan. A mother screaming at their child. I may not know what they're saying, but I know, I know what she, I, I know what she means. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That'd make a great little book, couldn't it? That'd make a great little book, couldn't it? Mother's yelling at the kids. I think if I go through my pictures enough, I could probably make a collage of just parents snatching their children and yelling at them <laughs> for some reason or another yeah that's right because we were um, on we came across a book i think it, I, I think it came out a year a couple of years ago recently and it was about people and the general public just being on their phones all the time so wherever they go you know everyone's got their heads buried in their phones it's this mm. fascinating book i mean it doesn't do the photo i'm not doing the photographer justice really by saying they were snaps but they looked to be just snaps and but there were right. groups of people um that weren't aware they were having their pitch taken but they all had their phones buried in their heads and it's fascinating mm. seeing that as well so it's just yeah. made me think that that would actually be really good because it's just human interaction isn't it so same as you know, over the, here as well yeah you know the work that you do with for the non-profit groups that you do what 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 does that involve what, what you know what have you got involved in there 
So basically with that, I try to work with the smaller groups, the hyper-local groups that can, uh, they're really uh, on the ground doing the work. So I tend to stay away from the uh, Red Cross and the, the, the bigger, um, the bigger global mm-hmm. uh, charities and, non- and, 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 and nonprofits. Uh, I try to work with the smaller ones because I feel that a lot of them, they have the more authentic experience and they know what people need. So I'd rather give, like if I was giving money to one of these organizations, I'd rather give some money directly to the village chief than to give it to a big nonprofit. And you have to pay the CEO and pay yeah. all these yeah. salaries and all these people. Then out of, out of every dollar you give, maybe 30 cents makes it to the ground level. Whereas yeah. if I give a dollar to this village chief, the whole dollar is going to be put to where I want to put it to. So, yeah. uh, so far I've worked with a couple of the people I've worked with mission, mission rebuild Nepal in Nepal. Uh, that's one of my favorite ones that's closer to my heart. Cause I came back and worked with them twice uh, after I left. Um, I basically just reached out to them and I noticed that they're, 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 visual their visual uh storytelling may not be up to par a lot of these places they may just have their iphone or not even the iphone just the camera phone to mm-hmm. document their their not so much what 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 they're doing i don't want to be the type of person that takes a selfie of me giving a homeless man some money yeah. and like yeah, yeah, yeah. look at me i'm yeah. I, I yeah, yeah, yeah it's not that yeah. Hate yeah. that mm-hmm. it's not yeah. that it's basically uh, they're doing all these wonderful works and there's nothing to show for it on their website or on their social media, but it's, it's, they're doing wonderful work. And I can look at their phone photos or their phone videos and mm. say just a little bit better professional direction with this. And you could really increase your storytelling about it. So yeah, for yeah. example, in, in Nepal, I got with them and said, Hey, I just want to offer my services to you guys, I'm a photographer and I do short form video as well. Gave them my website and let them see and say, I would just like to document your 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 experiences on the ground when to document your rebuilding efforts. And mm-hmm. I give those high quality, high, high quality photos to them so that they can use as part of their digital experience because in the they they don't have quality, quality photo they don't have quality gear yeah. uh, for one out here in a lot of these places they're still shooting with a canon rebel or a 5d mark one or something yeah. like that that they that i could see that their that their digital presence needed some work so mm. um it's kind of a, a a scratching each other's back type thing i want to get down to the street level and see what's going on with the rebuilding efforts and I also want to help provide them with photos so that they can uh, increase their outreach and they can put on their socials and, and they mm-hmm. can put on their websites to help them with their fundraising or with them attracting volunteers. Because mm-hmm. even when I, when I first did my photos, they were like, wow, these are so much better than what we have. Or some people may try to come in and I mean, if, they're, if, if they barely have a place to stay or barely have food, then they're not going to pay somebody $500 a day or $1,000 day rate, $1,500 day rate to Mm -hmm. 
to <laughs> photograph them, you know, uh, looking for water or mixing the concrete or doing all of the stuff that they're doing to help rebuild the infrastructure. So as, a, as kind of a thank you or kind of to help them, I try to help them first of all, and then ask them, hey, is it okay if I like to use these photos myself? And I don't show anybody in disparaging uh, negative, you know, third yeah, world, yeah. Sally, feed yeah. the children type. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't do that. I don't yeah. do that. You can look at my website. Yeah. And yeah. For one, I don't see those, those many photos like that, which kind of brings to once brings to light. People say that a lot of those were staged photos of children suffering like that. It yeah. probably is. You don't just walk around and see that. Yeah. It, it's this. Nobody's just sitting there helpless. Yeah. Like people. Yeah. They're not like the, the the photos that I show of me helping in the in the developing countries. I'm not saying, okay, kids, just go run around. Let me take your photo. They're already doing that. Yeah. They're already smiling. They're already doing their merits of going to temple and doing all that. I'm just I'm just documenting it. And I've done that in Nepal. I've worked in Ecuador. I've done that in Thailand. I did the Children's Special Olympics in Thailand. I worked yeah. in Ecuador after the earthquake. So I just I just try to help the um, nonprofits get better digital quality photos and videos of their work. Cool. I just would like to I mean sort of expand on that, really talk about the decision making process when it actually comes to the taking the photos, because I don't think we've really mm -hmm. discussed a lot of sort of the actual act of, of you taking the photo yet really mm -hmm. um we probably need to talk about gear as well because i'm sure a lot of people want to hear about that too but right. first of all you know because you obviously one of the things that i know a lot of photographers sort of have have is not issues with but you go to an amazing place which obviously thailand guatemala these are obviously amazing places and you're seeing real culture and and all this kind of stuff there's a whole load of things that you go right what am i going to take a photograph because there's so much so what is it that sort of takes your eye? Is it, is it a specific something? I know there might be some agendas that some of these NGOs, look, can you take this and take that? I get that mm -hmm. part. But that aside, is there something that you go, that interests me? Is there something specific that you look for in your, in your photos? Right. So basically, it depends if I'm working with the NGO or a nonprofit, I will ask them. Uh, most of these are so, are so small. There's such small, small mom and pop organizations. They're like, uh, so, so I may ask them, hey, would you like me to take a photo of this? What did you want to highlight or this and that? And they'll be like, what do you think we want to take a photo? Like, they don't know. Right. They don't even they don't know, know. But they don't know. So they kind of leave it up to me. And they've seen my work of me working with it, with other projects. So they say, just, just, you know, whatever you feel or whatever you think. I've been doing this for a while now, so I kind of know if I'm with a nonprofit or an NGO what to take photos of. Um, anything basically being of, of, of help, of service, uh, showing anything hands-on, any type of reactions to, to different, um, uh, a, a field being plowed and seeded or uh, someone, some girl getting excited because she has her uniform on and she gets to go to school now mm. or things like that over time, you just kind of know uh, any, any special moments I try to capture or, or really just the daily life of, the, of working with the nonprofit. You just kind of, just kind of know what to, what to capture. You don't want to do a spray and pray type thing, but you want to um, basically 
basically what I do, my first day there, I may not even break out the camera because I out here in these places, I attract so much attention by myself. I mean, I'm a black man with dreadlocks, so they don't, for, for one, I'm not from Africa, nothing wrong with that, but everybody that I meet just assume, oh, you're a black guy, you're automatically from Africa, duh. And it's like, no, no, no I'm from the States. And they think everybody from the States are all six foot tall white people. Like, no, you have Asians, you have black people, you have everybody yeah. from the States. So I'm usually spending that first time, that first day or so just breaking down the walls. I don't want to stick a camera in someone's face as soon as they see me and everything is like a pose. So I, I treat them how I want to be treated, how I would want to be treated if I was in that position. I take photos of things, or I don't take photos of things that I wouldn't want someone taking photos of me in that position. Yeah. Even though these are people that were coming to their land and trying to photograph their life and culture, they're not statues, they're, they're not, they are people. And you yeah. have to treat them with, with respect and with some type of humility. And mm. so I really try to capture that through my photography is, okay, I'm gonna take, take part of this. And some stuff, it may, it may be a little rough. Uh, people get emotional, they get to crying if they digging through the rubble and they found their lost loved ones. Mm. It's rough to capture that, but I also yeah. think it's important to capture that as well. So that a year later, when I come back and show the photos, they, they can remember that experienced themselves as far as what they felt during that time. Yeah. So with the with the nonprofits, I just try to capture basically everything, and then I give that to the NGO for them to pick through uh, different campaigns that they're trying to uh, market for, and they can choose which photos are better for for what purpose they're trying to push. If I'm on if I'm traveling for non NGO non nonprofit things. Uh, with me, it's usually landscape first. I like whatever yeah. landscapes. That's me first. And then I do the walk around environmental stuff. But uh, I'm a landscape person. And I went to, like you mentioned, Guatemala. Wow. The volcano. Yeah. If you, you can't go there and not photograph volcanoes. So that's pretty much a given. Well, well, I mentioned Guatemala because it's one of the things I really want to do is photograph a volcano. I would love to right. do that. Uh, so when well, I saw yours, I was like... I was kind of jealous, so I was kind of like, "Oh, okay. look at this guy! He's managed to do this." Um, but yeah, I, I thought they were they were awesome. Um, so yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Um, so gear, then we'll need to have a quick chat about gear because there'll be loads of people going, "Yes, but what camera does he use?" Um, yeah, and on the top but, of that, I was so about gear. Cool. I'd be interested to know that, like, what do you what else do you carry around? Do you you know things like laptop? Do you carry around power banks and you know, uh, you know, downloading stuff and that type of thing. You know, it's like, uh, what what would be like your essential kit kit bag? Okay, so basically, um, I carry my my bodies are. Uh, I have a five D Mark Three at the moment, and mm -hmm. I had some of my older older photos were from a. Uh, Rebel T1I. I don't know what they call it in. in I have no idea in, uh, what that is. Okay, yeah. I think I, I forget which, but it's an old old camera. I could say for reference, I had the T1I, and I think now they're on the T8I or something. Or I don't even know if they even make this the, the, the Rebel line anymore. But it's a very old, small intro camera. It's called a T1I Rebel, but uh, they got stolen. 
They got, got stolen, stolen in Ecuador. Oh, okay. Ecuador. Another volunteer stolen. And it had to be a newbie because they stole they they stole the the uh, Canon Rebel small introductory camera and they left yeah. the five D. So they must not know <laughs> yeah. what they were doing. So yeah. <laughs> dope. <laughs> yeah, dope. Yeah. So uh but I carry with me uh since the since the TYNI, I I've got uh I have my 5D Mark III. I have a 7D Mark I. I still use, bless his heart. Yeah. I have um I have a 16 to 35 Mark II that I use. I have uh 70 to 200 F uh F2 that I use most of the time. Yeah. Um and my tripod. I have two tripods. I had a Gitzo 3541L Mountaineer, which is a mm -hmm. big, strong, robust tripod. And in Guatemala, I ended up buying a Manfrotto uh, 190. I think it's a 190E or something. Uh, I used that because I was having problems out of the Gitzo. But I mainly use two lenses, a 16 to 35 and a 70 to 200. I have a walk around lens, a 24 to 105 F4. Yeah. I have a tilt shift lens. That oh, I nice. use, yes, I have a 24 tilt shift I use for a lot of panoramas. Uh, but my favorite, if we're talking landscape, it sounds weird, but that 24, that, that I mean, that 70 uh, to 200 is my favorite landscape photog uh, lens. It's, mm. it's so good. Uh, so those are the two or three lenses that I mainly use. But on my website, most of the photos would be from a 24 to 104, 70 to 200, or 16 to 35. And that's basically what I use. And my laptop, yeah. I don't carry any power banks. Uh, I used to carry, um, it depends on if I'm going somewhere for, for specifically to photograph, then I would have it different than me than, uh, like, like I was in Thailand, I was based in Thailand, and I was spider out to Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, but still come back with a base in 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 Thailand. So yeah. I wouldn't bring all of my full gear with me, just a couple lenses, but just um, two bodies, two lenses, and a laptop. Yeah, three lenses, two bodies, three lenses, and a laptop. That's basically it. I don't I don't use a lot of flash. Yeah. Fair yeah. Where, where are you as far as um, the whole DSLR mirrorless? Um, range have you thought about if you if, are you starting to introduce mirrorless cameras into you into what you shoot or are you still very much dslr i'm very much still dslr i know the industry is is moving toward the mirrorless i have nothing against mirrorless i just haven't tried it um mm. enough to where to give my opinion on it but again with the dslrs i know they're bulky i know they're heavy I know they have more issues than a, than a mirrorless, but to me, it's one of those, the appreciation is in the ceremony type things. Like, I feel like with it being more, more, more cumbersome and more involving than the mirrorless, I can appreciate it more because I can tell you hiking up a volcano for five hours with the DSLR gear mm -hmm. on your back versus mirrorless, I imagine the mirrorless would be much, much lighter. It's but, not that much difference, actually, because the no? lens. No, because the lenses still weigh a ton. So mm. it's like, uh, you know, if you've got that seventy to two hundred, because I've got that same lens, the seventy to two hundred, mm -hmm. um, the L F2. lens. Uh, right. Well, oh no, mine's f two point eight. So, 
Uh, well, yeah, might... yeah, 2.8 is what I 2. mean. 2.8. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 2.8. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's a heavy lens in itself, isn't it? It is, very much. So, so you know, you put that, it doesn't matter how, you know, slightly less your mirrorless weighs, you're sticking that lens on, it's still going <laughs> to weigh, right? I mean, it's not... Right, well, I didn't know, because from what I was saying, um, like the two point, like the 70 to 2.8, the mirrorless, mm. what I was seeing, it looked smaller, and I know with those different... I think from the lower the f stop, the heavier the lens is. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, so like a mirrorless f four would be half the size of a DSLR two point eight, mm. or, or or half the weight. I'm not sure. Plus, I know you have to switch over your whole gear, and I, I you don't. No, you I don't just, have to. You don't have to. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. I bought because I've got because when I shoot a wedding, I've because I've recently just bought a mirrorless because I was where you were about a few months mm -hmm. ago thinking, oh, I okay. don't know, because, you know, I'm used to this and, and what right. is it like? So I did take the plunge and um, you can get a mount to fit your old lenses on. But okay. I'm, I like you, when I shoot a wedding, I, I, I've got two cameras on me. I can only afford one right. mirrorless at the moment because, you know, it's <laughs> a fair amount right. of investment. So I've got the, the Mark III and, mm -hmm. and, and the R6 and I can still swap the lenses over because you get the Let me mount. ask you this. So how, how does... I guess you got an adapter. Some how does that affect yeah. the the autofocus speed or the or the, um, the 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 sharpness of your photos? I think I read that if you add adapters, it it, it takes away from the sharpness or, or the speed of the autofocus. Do you know uh, anything about that? Uh, it's negligible. I mean, I've not really noticed the difference. To be fair, um, mm. there was a lot of things about mirrorless about how it doesn't work with your flash, and I use a lot of flash, especially at a wedding. Because it's right, know, of course, quite uh -huh. um, and I've not really noticed that being an issue either, um, okay. which, which is interesting. Um, would it be slightly quicker, and maybe with with the the RF mount lens, maybe? Mm -hmm. But I mean, mm -hmm. you'd have to be really on it to notice the difference. I think. Yeah, I think right. I think it's negligible. It there yeah. probably is a difference, but it's it's pretty it's so minute. Mm -hmm. I would have thought. Um, and the only thing I would worry about if I was doing what Kendricks does uh, traveling the world and, and doing that the mirrorless is more of a computer than it is a camera. Okay. Because there's obviously no optical viewfinder. So it's mm -hmm. an LCD screen in the viewfinder. It's an LCD screen on the back. For me, there's a lot more that can go wrong with it. Do you know what I mean? The more okay. electronic parts and at yeah. least, I mean, you know, if, yes, if you break the screen on the Mark three, it's a pain in the bum. You can't review your pictures, but you can still take photos through the optical viewfinder. Do you know what I mean? Right. That would always that. I don't know. I don't know how robust they are. Mm. I think it's a good that, point, that, actually, yeah, Mark. I think it's a good point. I think if you're a travel photographer, you need equipment that's robust. You need equipment right. that's going to get knocked around. You yeah. need equipment yeah. that, that will take a bash, or you put it down on the ground and there's dust about. You know, yeah. uh, wherever right. you are, dusty roads. It's hot. A lot of the places that you're traveling to, it needs to withstand all of that as well. So, yeah. if there's any people out there thinking, "Oh, yeah, I'm going to go out and do this," then you also need to make sure that you've got you've you've got robust equipment and you know and yeah, yeah that, i've never really thought of it like that I, I would think mirrorless would come into its own on on the stuff that you do kendrick's but but yeah i think there is that i think there's that's very valid from what mark said mm. um you know about how robust is is the equipment yeah that it's would that would work i mean yeah. i could be completely wrong but you know uh, i mean south i knows, agree you, you 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 do need to have more robust equipment because if you're shooting Let's say you're shooting a waterfall. You're at the bottom of the waterfall and there yeah. is some spray coming off. How is that yeah. spray going to affect all the electronics and yeah. the mirrorless? 
versus yeah. in a DSLR, it's everything is weather sealed and spray yeah. from a from a waterfall won't affect you that much, or uh, salt splash from a beach or dust from from the desert. Uh, I, I think it would. I think a mirrorless uh, components, electronic components, would be more susceptible to yeah. uh, to dust and, and and moisture. I would think. So having a DSLR, and I've I've taken a, a, a tumble of two, and I think if I had a, a mirrorless, I don't know if it would have came out the other side okay, because yeah. I've definitely bust my bum a few times. Mm. I've <laughs> taken a tumble walking out the office door with all my camera gear, and I've been on travel somewhere. So. Yeah, you, you can't we, help but take a tumble. We always do it, do we? So, yeah, I know, that's right. Good stuff. Um, right, before we finish yeah. up. Yes. Shall we do shut a shot? Oh yes, yeah. Actually, Kendrick, yeah, we're gonna we're good. We're gonna I'll do just go and get my camera. Yeah, we're gonna um, just do something shut a shout for you. Okay, I'll wait for uh, okay. I'll wait for um, Mark to grab his camera, um, and uh, we'll see how you get on with something called shut a shout. And while Mark's getting his while Mark's getting that, I'm gonna I'm gonna just uh, um, go off on a tangent again because you know we were talking about hip hop and everything. It's something mm-hmm. I've mentioned on the podcast before because we're we're big music fans as well, and we're into that, and it's got nothing to do you know with photography here for the people that are actually listening but i've always i've actually said you know like uh, the Be- the beatles when you go back to the beatles they were a huge influence on on music even today you know that they, mm-hmm. they were they were a huge influence but i think that the hip-hop rap genre if you want to bracket it in one mark we're going off on a tangent here while you were grabbing that camera oh really <laughs> i've i have actually said that that the hip-hop and rap are a bigger cultural influence um than the beatles were oh that is i said this before (laughs) yeah okay now 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 when i say this to people they go really are you sure you know because think about the beatles and musicians but i'm talking about a cultural and overall because i think they've they've affected more uh, they've had more of a cultural influence on 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 people than than the than the beatles did but that's that's a different podcast that is (laughs) something to think about yeah are we yeah. going to get a load of tweets now? Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> have a, Kendrick's wanted to have a think about that. Okay, so hip hop and, and 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 rap has had a bigger cultural influence than the Beatles. I would say so. I can say this: <laughs> um, through all of my travels, even in the most remote places, uh, yeah. people people point at me and they say. Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah. They right. they, mis- they mistake me for a rapper. No one has ever yeah. pointed at me and called me Ringo or George Harrison or anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. No one's done that to me either. No, so, that's you know, right, so. Yeah. <laughs> stuff. right. So let's crack on with Shutter Shout. And then, okay. uh, right. Now, you're going to have to use your, 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 we need your all of your photographic skills for this, Kendrick. So, okay. so what I thought I'd do, we'll do a slightly different, I'll just, okay. I'll, I'll shoot the camera. So it's a okay. yeah, it's a five D Mark III. Mm-hmm. So it might give Kendrick's a bit of an advantage because he's yeah. a camera. You never Should know. Do. So I'm the underdog here. Yeah, it's a, little, it's a game. Um, so I'll just do it between you guys, and we'll do um, yeah. three rounds. Should you do three rounds. Yeah, three rounds. Okay, and, and so, see how you guys. So get Kendrick, on. this is as technical as this gets. Okay, you're going to need all your photographic skill for this. Mark is going to mm-hmm. fire his camera off. Okay, three. To, we're going to have three rounds of this, and basically you have to guess the shutter speed. Oh, <laughs> okay. yeah. Okay. okay. Now you can request it to 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 fire it a second time, but you can only request it once on each round. Okay. Okay. All, All right. right. So, Mark, you ready? Okay. Well, okay. let's just do a quick test. I just want to okay. make sure you guys can hear this. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. Okay. 
Did you okay. hear that? Yep, I heard that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. okay. So right. So, I'll now choose um, a shot of speed. <laughs> so, um, Cam, I'll start with you first. Okay. All Might right. be a bit mean to get the <laughs> to okay. get Kendricks and stuff, but we'll start. Right. Okay. With yep. You, Cam. Okay. Um, well, I oh, know you. It's been a while since we played this. <laughs> you're both no, no. guests. So yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to yeah. fire it off. I'll, yeah. I'll have a first guess, and then Kendrick's going to have a guess at that. Okay. okay. Right, Cam, go you got a bit of paper to write. Yeah, I've down. got it. Yep, go for it. Okay. Right here we go. Are you ready? Yep. Yep. Oh. Oh. I thought that was one click for a minute. <laughs> now I reckon that was possibly. I'm going to say one second. Was it half a second? Could be half. No, I reckon it's one second. What do you reckon, Kendrick? I would say. I would say one. I would say one six. Mm. I think. Okay. Right. You see, annoying for me because I always, I never want Cam to win, but I'm not sure if you can see that. I can't see it. Does it say one second? It doesn't one say second? one second. Thank you very much. For the non-canon user, for the non-canon user. Okay, so one minute. Okay, come right, on, Kendricks. Come on. Okay, okay. All right, okay. I'm ready. Right. And, and get your game remember, on now, man. And what you got to remember, Kendricks, all the listeners are having a go at this as well. So okay, right. <laughs> all right, okay. All right. So, are you ready? Here we go. Mm, I think I know that one. <laughs> ah, awesome stuff. Can I have a repeat? Oh, Cam wants a repeat. Yeah, okay. yeah. Hmm, okay. Right, go on, Kendrick. So you go first. I think that was uh, 250 of a second. Hmm, okay. Okay, Cam? I've, I've got 125. Okay, you're both way out there. Are we? What is it? 50th. A 50th? A 50th? Really? Yeah. Really? It's Man. slower than I thought. Wow. Oh, wow. Mm. I'm, I'm not that good at this. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so what? You were 250th, Kendricks, and oh, Cam. Yeah. Yeah, so I was nearest. So I was yeah, the closest. Back. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Okay, no. so one more. Okay. One more. Right, All right. Come on, Kendricks. We, need right. to, <laughs> okay. first of, we do first of three, shall we? So okay, you've yeah. got to okay. stop him from getting this one. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, let's let's go. Let's go down there. Okay, you ready? Mm. Jump straight in there. I'm going to say four seconds. I'm going to say three. <laughs> I don't know what it is today, but Cam is on absolute fire. That was four oh, seconds. No, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Kendrick's not even a point. Kendrick's, you need to I brush guess. up on your photography. <laughs> or, I should, sh yeah. Your shutter speed knowledge. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in my in my defense, I've been in lockdown here in Vietnam. I haven't <laughs> taken any type of photography in six months. So hopefully <laughs> I can get out and do some practice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have yeah. to train your ear. So 
Well, yeah, I can't imagine you'll let it lie. We'll have to get you back on so you can have a rematch with Cam. How about that? Definitely. <laughs> Remember that. It's shut to shout, Kendricks. Shut to shout. I like that. Yeah. That's a good game. I like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good stuff. Kendricks, thank you so much for coming on. Love to get you on again if you're up for it at some point, you know, and uh, we're going to put some links out on uh, for your website on all the pods. Uh, platforms this is going to go out on itunes spotify and all the other major podcast outlets we'll put some social media stuff up as well and uh so people can have a look at the the work that kendrick's gets involved in fascinating stuff and i think it's going to inspire mm. a lot of you that are listening out there as well absolutely uh, certainly got want me wanting to get back out there and travel again or i mean we've not been able to but you know something uh, be really good to do so Kendricks, thank you again very much. Um, and guys, keep on listening to the show. Keep on subscribing, liking, all the usual stuff. I'm just going to finish off on the last thing. Kendricks is wearing a really good T-shirt. And I think that it basically says everything about it. Help, learn, explore, it says. And we can certainly uh, use that in our photography, can't we? Help, learn and explore. Thank you very much, Kendricks. Thank you, Mark. And we will see you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>